Welcome back, folks. This is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on that text line, 704-570-9610. And we are broadcasting live from the Planet Kia Studios, the best place on the planet to buy a car. Visit them on East Independence or online at planetkianc.com. Hit up the social medias. Uh, WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram, Walker Mail on Twitter and Instagram, HTB underscore and Josh on Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> and Threads, <laughs> and Wes Bryant underscore 72 on Twitter and Instagram, but not yet on Threads, always bringing you the behind the scenes. So, talking about the Carolina Panthers, and the thing that's been interesting to me is that we've had such contrasting opinions about this team this season. We have some people who look at the Panthers as perhaps a dark horse in the NFC. We have some people that have said the Panthers have had one of the best off-seasons in the NFL. And then you have things that come out, like the ESPN insiders that have come out and rated the rosters, Mike Clay and Seth Walder, and ranked the Panthers' roster 25th in all of football. Because on the flip side of some of those positive reports, you have people who are predicting the Panthers to be one of the worst teams to not make the playoffs uh, and things of that nature. So why do you think, Walker, that there's been such mixed opinions on the Panthers from so many different places? I think because you look at the skill position group and some people are as low on them as any group that this Carolina Panthers team has. And so even if you like Bryce Young, you might not think that the pass catchers – are a good enough group for him to thrive his rookie season. You might not like the depth, the guy opposite of Brian Burns, whoever that pass rusher is going to be. You might think there are real problems there. You might look at the numbers the defense posted last year, and despite them having some real talent on that side, the numbers weren't as good as they were two years ago on that defensive side. They still have a lot of the same people that were on that good defensive number team two years ago, but the numbers weren't as good last year. And so maybe you just are trying to bake in a little bit of cook time with Bryce Young before he really starts to you know, set the league on fire. I think that's probably why. And it is a middle-of-the-road team. I mean, even if you are the most optimistic on the Carolina Panthers, I think the most reasonable, optimistic take that you can have is 10 and 7. Is that fair? I mean, it's it's on the high end of outcomes. That it is. But, it's, but I think it's not unrealistic. I think it's the most optimistic of those outcomes. And you also might have them in the postseason because the NFC South is so bad, which is important to note. So if the NFC South is bad, Carolina is going to be contending for a playoff spot. Even if they don't get to 10 wins, they could have nine. Okay, they could go nine and eight and still be in playoff contention. It feels like they're going to be in the end of the hunt graphic every single time you watch Sunday night football on NBC. And that's going to be good enough for them to get a shot. They got a shot last year. If they beat Tampa Bay, then they're going into the last game of the regular season actually playing for something. So I do think that there are a lot of reasons on both sides as to why there are such varying opinions. Yeah. And I think, too, about it when you start to go underneath the surface I'm trying to think of how to say it. It's like a lot of the 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 great on it. There's a little bit of dirt underneath it. Nothing is exactly a hundred percent clean, uh, pristine, so to speak. Because you look at Frank Wright. Yes, he was fired before he got this job. So it's not like he's coming in with the reputation that he just decided to leave a winning team where he was winning championships or winning at a high clip and came over to fix the Carolina Panthers. 
Then you look at some of the offseason additions where you look at a Adam Thielen. Well, yes, he's already shown that he's a good veteran leader and things of that nature. But then there's a lot of people who think he has washed not quite the receiver that he once was. And the analytical data shows that at his advanced age, that receivers don't tend to be as productive. DJ Chark, ankle injuries. I mean, you could kind of go all over. There's a caveat for everything. Yeah, exactly. So with a lot that's happened, and I think that's maybe why you get some people who do choose to look at the negative side of some of those situations, and you get some that choose to look at it on the positive side. But I just found that interesting because the Panthers seem to be uh, a trendy pick with some and not so trendy others. And Spence writes in, Walker, all caps, big all caps guy. I respect it, Spence. He says, I've kept trying to warn y'all that you need to calm down your high hopes for the Panthers making the playoffs, all caps. It ain't happening. Yeah, I don't feel that emphatic that they're going to make it. I'm not going to put all caps down that they're not going to make it. I think they're going to be contending at the very end, and I can't mention it enough. The NFC South is not a good division. You have Dennis Allen and Todd Bowles coaching in this division. One of those guys, by default, is the third best head coach in a football division. Dennis Allen has been horrible. Todd Bowles has been a good defensive coordinator like Dennis Allen, but we've seen some really poor in-game decision-making from both of those head coaches. Tampa Bay has Baker Mayfield starting, which is the guy that got Carolina off to such a bad start last year before Sam Darnold Sam Darnold had to come in and help them at the very end of last year's regular season. New Orleans doesn't have Drew Brees anymore. I I don't know how New Orleans is going to look with Derek Carr, who is an upgrade at QB from what they had last year. But you're still talking about a roster that isn't going to have their best offensive playmaker for a while. And Alvin Kamara, who we expect a suspension. I don't know if that's even come down officially yet. But, it has not. But I think we expect Alvin Kamara to be missing some real time. So, yeah, all that to be said, sure, I'm not going to be surprised if Carolina misses out on the postseason, but also can't tell you I'll be surprised if they make it. It's going to be, I think, a real 50-50 shot for them as the season goes on. Okay, and so another part of that that's going to be interesting is Carolina's defense. And we've talked about at length uh, the different things that they need to do to ascend this season. And so one thing that I found interesting was that uh, Doug Farrar of USA Today Sports, when talking about Brian Burns, he dropped in the nugget that the Panthers were a heavy blitz team in the 2022 season, sending extra rushers on 31% of their snaps. But that only resulted in 35 sacks that was near the bottom of the league. And so they had to do this, obviously, because lack of pass rushing talent on the other side of Brian Burns and other parts of the field. Chuck Bagano, uh, that was a former coach of the Indianapolis Colts, when he was talking about Ezra Evero, he said, and I quote, he's not as aggressive as some of the other defensive coordinators, but he was reasonably aggressive as the play caller in Denver last season. So we can anticipate more of that. And he said the Panthers are going to play fast, be aggressive, technically sound, a lot more zone than man, and he won't be afraid to get after opposing teams when he has to. So should you be concerned about the pass rush given that the numbers of them being top six in the league, top for six to be exact, in blitz, and the fact that so little sacks came from that and that they didn't do a whole heck of a lot to upgrade that position. And then you hear that Ezra Everett, not as aggressive as other coordinators, but will get after people when he has to. Is that something that is concerning for you at this juncture when you think about this defense and trying to take the next step? Because we know getting sacks is a 
big way to be able to do that. It's one of the more concerning things about this team, for sure. I've talked about it a lot. I, I've gone to getting a veteran edge rusher into this organization quite a bit. It's the it's the next move I would like to see this team make. When you start to get ready for the regular season, some of these vets don't want to go through training camp like that, but they're still staying in shape on their own. After all that happens and you don't have to go to Spartanburg, one of the more, I, I have to imagine, one of the worst sites for training camp, not because there's any shade to Spartanburg. He, it's, I mean, it's a different kind of hot. You see even national NFL reporters who are on job going to Wofford to cover the Carolina Panthers during training camp. Yeah, it's muggy. It's really hot. I tweeted out one year that the bugs flying around need to be tested for PEDs. It's a different kind of swamp <laughs> down there next to Wofford. So, yeah, I imagine a Jadevian Clowney who might know a thing or two about South Carolina weather doesn't really want to go through that at training camp. Oh, and he you doesn't have want to, to go through a lot. Well, you're just saying because he's lazy or like. Well, you know, he just doesn't have a great attitude, not a great demeanor, and not very productive. So, ugh. So you don't want Clowney. I know no. that. Oh, or Yannick Ngakwe, whatever. Whatever edge <laughs> rusher that you want yeah, to point continue. to. Yeah, continue. I'm sorry. I took you off your point. No, you're good. I, no, I, yes, we we know about the opposite edge rusher, how I've always thought just bringing in somebody that has some production under their belt. I think that matters because, no, I'm not asking them to be a star. Whoever you bring in is not going to be a pro bowler. That's just not going to happen. Clowney, former number one overall pick, if you bring him in, yeah, not going to be an all-pro guy, not going to be a Pro Bowl-level dude. Will stop the run. I actually think that matters when he can set the edge, and they've been talking about how much they value that in DJ Johnson. If Jadeveon Clowney comes in, no, he probably won't post a ton of sacks, but, man, that'll be pretty nice on an odd man front if you put him out there on that edge and he's strong enough to hold dudes in place. That matters, especially if Marquise Haynes is another situational pass rusher. So all that to say, yeah, I, I think you are going to have some interesting packages that you're throwing at the offense to try to figure out how to manufacture a pass rush. Yeah, and so do you think that with the Panthers, like I said, finishing last season 25th in total sacks, that he's going to have to be more aggressive than maybe he would normally be with those limited pass rushing options? He, he might be, but here we are talking about Denver being a good defense last year with Averro calling those plays. They didn't have a ton of sack artists on that squad last year. Bradley Chubb was yeah, they one. Were just above the Panthers, 24th with 36 total sacks. So Bradley Chubb had five and a half in eight games, but remember he was traded, and so that's all you got from Bradley Chubb, a first-round pick um, all those years ago. Jermont Jones had six and a half sacks. Baron Browning had five. Deshaun Williams, now a Carolina Panther, was fourth on their team with four and a half and was only two off of the lead. And so now you have Deshaun Williams coming into this organization alongside Avera, who knows how to get the best out of him. So, yeah, actually, it's kind of funny. If Bradley Chubb is gone from the Denver Broncos, you don't you don't account for him, right? Does Carolina have a better group of pass rushers than what Denver has? Mm -hmm. Just total, you know? I think that's something where, okay, maybe Avera's looking at this like, hey, I put up, okay numbers that not great right i know that's a weakness i guess but put up good enough numbers to be a good defense yeah even if they didn't come via the sack then maybe you could go with carolina and be like i, I can do that with brian burns and Derek brown and a guy I had last year in deshaun williams yeah denver did field a top 10 defense when you talk about uh total yards given up per game and then around 13th as far as scoring defense is concerned i do think that I mean, the, the defensive scheme change, I think, is going to help out. I think Brian Burns will be more productive. 
I also think that whomever is on the other side uh, should be able to have some opportunities in an odd front. But I do think that more than likely he's going to have to be a little bit more creative and aggressive than normal because until we see what young DJ has uh, up his sleeve and Marquise Haynes and those guys when they get into live game situations because as far as Haynes and YGM is concerned and we don't know if one of them will be cut or whatever the situation may be, but we already have an idea of what they're going to give you. You can't look at these guys at this point and think, that they're going to automatically turn into double-digit sack guys. You, you can't go in there thinking that. So he's going to have to use a Jeremy Chen in a role like what he did as a rookie and use him more on the blitz and then be a little bit more creative. So I do think he's going to have to be uh, more aggressive than maybe he's comfortable with just because he doesn't have uh, the pass rushing options probably that he would like coming into this season. Well, and we talk about a guy like Frankie Louvu who posted a nice sack total at the linebacker position last year. Yes. You look at non-defensive linemen for Denver last season and how many sacks they posted. You can go to Josie Jewell, who had 128 tackles and two and a half sacks. Seven tackles for loss, but two and a half sacks. Jonathan Cooper had two sacks altogether. Looking at some other guys, you did have Kawan Williams at the cornerback position get one, but really the point being, they didn't have a whole lot of secondary guys, a lot of linebackers, post a ton of sack numbers, and basically, as you mentioned, just not blitzing as much. You have a lot of chess pieces here that you can work with, like a Jeremy Chin, like a Von Bell who can be aggressive, Frankie Louvu, as we mentioned, so many versatile guys on top of Derek Brown and Brian Burns. Yeah, I just I feel like there's a lot of stuff like you could just do a lot of different coverages, a lot of you know, camouflaging your looks to the offense. I think that they're I think of Vero with him being a pretty versatile and creative type of play caller. You just have a lot of different guys that you could use to help him in that way that maybe you didn't even have with Denver. And, and Pat Sertan can be your J.C. Horn and vice versa. Right. I, I think of Vero can do his same magic with this Carolina Panthers team that he did with last year's Denver Broncos team. Yeah, and so we'll see this season if the Panthers do uh, lower that blitz percentage or if it gets high, if they get up into that top five and just are coming after the quarterback all the time. But when we come back, we're going to get more into the Hornets' offseason. What if the Hornets don't bring back P.J.? That and more, this is the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. When I look back at my Threads account and I realize that my first ever follow was Fitty, is that something I'm going to brag about or is that something I'm going to regret that my first ever Threads follow was Josh Fitty Marlowe? I think you might regret it uh, just because when people see some of the vitriol that comes from his account, it mm-hmm. might be like, man, how could you associate yourself with a guy like this? Because I have, I, <laughs> I only follow one account as it stands. You know, so you know that I follow you. Yeah, I just saw it. I follow you now. Oh, you followed me back because you still haven't followed me back on the gram. I've already done it. Well, Graham, I don't even follow anyone, to be fair. <laughs> I, yeah, it's funny that I actually subscribed to an Instagram app rather than Instagram, right? Like I'm going to because Threads is owned by Instagram and Meta, 
And instead, I just decided to sign up for something new they put out there rather than go to the OG that is the gram. Yeah, my girl said you need to beef up your uh, Instagram. Man. Well, Mike. When she tried to tag you in a birthday post, she, she thought it was a fake account. It's sad. Yeah, it's, man, you need it's, to go ahead and throw a pic and throw a few pictures in the, uh, the old grid. It's a sad account. If you go check it out. I mean, I don't even know how many followers I had. Last time I checked, I think it was at 13. Yeah. I think. Um, it does just have a gray photo. That's it. Just your default gray, sad profile yeah, picture. They gave us nice headshots here. Why don't you just go ahead and throw that in? I was looking for a profile picture for threads and then just decided on the one I use for Twitter. But I couldn't find one that I really liked. Oh. Because it's a little bit smaller than the Twitter uh, profile picture. And so some of the other ones I had were already sized to the Twitter effect. And I just didn't like a lot of them. Plus, I was deciding very quickly on what it should be. Mm. So I just decided to go with the same one that I have. Okay. Better than just a gray one, though. That's better for sure. 704-570-9610. NASCAR Brad said, not getting a Threads account. I'm a leader, not a follower. It's a great attitude to have, Brad. Great attitude to have. Um, by the way, uh um, still rolling in on some of these text messages. Chili Willie said real quickly to end our Panthers conversation. How do people not look at last year with horrid coaching, three different QBs and multiple blown games like the Falcons? The team was a JC Horn injury away from beating Tampa. I know that's your favorite take Wes. This team is a lock for the playoffs. Wow. Yeah. I do think saying it's a lock is a stretch there are factors though they're playing there are factors from chili willie where i think chili willie just because i want to keep saying the name had some good points in that text that he did multiple qbs and bad coaching yeah so i mean again in the nfl we see all the time teams that how many games that they lose by three points or less and how many factors factor into teams being able to turn their seasons around so he did make some valid points there the J.C. Horn uh, affecting the Tampa Bay win into the effect of if he would have played day one, no, was not his. <laughs> I know you were. High. That was one. That's one that you were firing back on Twitter that day. You're like, no, this is not something we were about to spread on Twitter, threads, Instagram, whatever social media <laughs> site you want to go to. Let's talk about the Charlotte Hornets. We saw them play their second summer league game yesterday. They got blown out once again. They did come back a little bit, make that at least not a 20-point margin of victory for Golden State. But still, not a great feeling. Brandon Miller, only six points. Did have seven assists, much more of a facilitating role. And we can talk about roster construction there. Now, if you want to talk about roster construction with the actual Charlotte Hornets and not the Summer League team, a lot of people are leaving with their palms raised high to the sky. What in the hell is Mitch Kupchak and company doing? Because there hasn't been anybody that they've signed outside of Mitch Kupchak, where we've even joked about this on Locked On Hornets. It's like Charlotte still didn't even really do anything. All they did was extend the qualifying offer, and Miles Bridges just decided to sign it because he couldn't find any offer sheet elsewhere, and the Hornets weren't going to give him $25 million that Jake Fisher reported what Miles and Clutch were seeking. Yeah. So they haven't done anything. Wes, Grant Williams goes to Dallas in a three-team trade. Grant Williams to Charlotte, those rumors are dead. What's interesting to me is that Grant Williams signed a contract with Dallas that goes for four years, $53 million. That is $13.5 million annually if you divide it evenly. We don't have the details, but if you wanted to just divide this evenly, it equals $13.5 million annually. What's interesting about that is that is $1 million more annually than what the Hornets could have given to Grant with the mid-level exception. Okay, what that says, what that says to me 
is that they're looking for another free agent and they really wanted to only go after Grant if he would agree to the mid-level exception, totaling at $12.4 million. But they didn't want to go into cap space because they know that would eat into their ability to go get P.J. Washington to the point where they just wouldn't bring him back. This has to end in P.J. coming back. Maybe he signs the qualifying offer. I think that would be a disaster. You couldn't trade P.J. Washington just like Miles Bridges. You don't have Miles or P.J. locked up long term. So now you have Gordon coming off of the books, Miles coming off of the books, P.J. coming off of the books, which is great for cap space, but you also have to use it. You want to keep some of these guys locked in for LaMelo and some of the foundation pieces that you have. Where are you on the P.J. Washington stance right now with him being like the biggest free agent domino still left to be had? Uh, I will say I, I think in the Hornets' case that them signing Miles Bridges, I feel like they to them that that's a big free agent signing for them. We know about the stuff off the court, but just as far as bringing back an all-star caliber player, a guy that was playing really good basketball uh, the last time he was in a Hornets uniform. And I think they feel like with the team healthy as constructed, if they add a guy like that to the mix alongside the number two pick of the draft, I think they feel like they're okay at this point. And then, as you said, they want to bring back uh, PJ as well. As far as why, where I am with it, as I said yesterday, I think that they should either try to um, trade PJ or just – uh, let him go because of the fact that I think that they need to shape the roster and figure out, like, to me, he's not going to be a, a franchise cornerstone player going forward if things play out the way that we think that they could as far as Miles going back to the form that he was once at. Brandon Miller coming in and showing that he can be one of those guys, LaMelo Ball and Mark Williams. Um, but, you know, you see different trade scenarios for P.J. Washington, and I saw an interesting one uh, with them trading him for Anthony Simons. I think that could be a pretty good deal as far as adding a young guard like that that can shoot the way that he can and, and putting um, a, a two-guard like that next to LaMelo. But uh, I, I think that's where I'm at right now. I think you try to figure out if you don't bring P.J. back to try to maybe get something for him that could maybe... Well, that's the only other option. Yeah. I mean, because you can't. I mean, if you cut him, that I mean, you're, you're not cutting him. Yeah, you're not going to cut him. So, so it's it's sign and trade, and what kind of value do you think you could get back in return for that, for sure? I don't know if this would be welcomed by PJ, if he feels slighted by the Hornets right now for not poning up and just giving him some money. I know Jake Fisher talked about PJ was looking for a four-year $80 million deal, which is nothing new. We always knew the asking price was for $20 million annually. Now, it feels like the Hornets have really squeezed this thing out to the point where he's not going to have $20 million annually given to him by any team. The cap space is starting to dry up for a lot of different organizations. Bobby Marks put out there on ESPN with still some teams to look for. The real worry is if PJ signs the qualifying offer. I would hate that. I would hate him signing the qualifying offer because think of this offseason, all of the guys that you don't have locked in long term. So if Miles Bridges comes in and performs somewhere close to the level that he did when he was a fringe all star, he'll probably make twenty five million annually in this next contract. The Hornets do have bird rights, which will give them the inside track to sign Miles. But then you're talking about Miles and LaMelo eating a lot of the cap space up. PJ, a role player, is going to go else going to go elsewhere. 
Gordon Hayward going to go elsewhere that will free some money up. But again, that's going to go attribute because LaMelo's big contract is not on the books this season, right? It's important to remind people that that actually takes uh, takes effect next year. So once that hits, then are you going to be able to put together a nice team around LaMelo, Mark Williams? And then are you just cool with rolling with Miles Bridges? And what if it doesn't work out for Miles? I just don't like not locking in a couple of these guys. Well, that's why you have to hope that Brandon Miller ends up becoming the guy you think he can be at number two overall. Well, and the other thing is, man, if you're playing this offseason, because I think we can agree on the plan the Hornets had. They were going to be quiet with any outside help. They weren't going to bring in a whole bunch of outside help via free agency because you thought they were going to bring back Miles. Maybe not on the qualifying offer, but you thought they were going to bring back Miles and you thought they were going to bring back P.J. Washington. So if you bring back Miles on a qualifying offer and you bring back P.J. Watt, and if you don't bring back P.J. at all, and now all the other free agents are no longer to be had, I mean, every team is pretty much done Yeah. with, with the big hitters. I mean, like P.J., don't like P.J., he's pretty clearly one of the more impactful players still left in the free agent pool. And so if your whole goal was to go through this offseason by bringing guys back and then you don't do it, that means you didn't execute your plan and I'm sitting here scratching my head as to what the hell you were doing when free agency started. I'm going to have a problem with that. Yeah, I mean, I think you do have a, a legitimate gripe and this is, just seems to be an ongoing thing with the Horn. It's just a lack of movement and free agency, uh, a lack of just bringing in guys that the fan base can feel good about as far as getting these thing, uh, getting this thing turned in the right direction. So um, I agree with you, man. They do need to make some decisions and figure out what they want to do in a timely fashion. 704-570-9610. Jack said, what's the purpose of having all this cap space clear up if Mitch ain't going to sign nobody or go, quote, big game hunting? Yeah. Last time they had cap space. Yeah, I mean, that's the frustrating part about it all. Yeah, they they went after Gordon Hayward, which was criticized at the time. They did pay Terry Rozier in a sign and trade once Kimba went to Boston. That's the last time we've seen them be interesting in a free agent offseason acquisition mode. So we'll see. Uh, you do have Wolfpack James. Could speaking with Grant also have been insurance in case Washington had left through as well? I would assume we would be his choice at this point now that Dallas, who is expected to make a move for him, um, is signing a very similar player. Yeah, Dallas is out now. Like I, yeah, they're done. PJ's not going after Dallas. I don't. I don't know who else is going to go after PJ. I guess you could still have the Spurs there. Don't know if that really fits the timeline as Miami, much. Miami, because they've always coveted him from a distance. They have, but I wonder if they're just kind of sitting on their hands until Damian Lillard and this yeah, thing that's, that's shakes out. That's a big out. domino to drop for them, I would say. Yeah, and Jake Fisher was on these airwaves, right? Bringing up that same point you did. It's a good team to point out, but I just don't know what they're going to do. And this is this is what frustrates you about the Hornets. Speaking of just sitting there and doing nothing because you feel handcuffed by what Miles Bridges had happen off the court arrested for felony domestic violence. That happens the day before free agency. So you do nothing except sign Cody Martin to a three-year deal. So now we have this situation. Miles Bridges affected the Charlotte Hornets decision-making process for two off seasons now. And now we have PJ who's just undergoing regular old restricted free agency. Not anything anybody else, you know, is, is not going through as a restricted free agent. Same thing with Grant Williams. And that was your plan to bring him back. And now here we are waiting I mean, you could have paid Grant Williams 13 if you wanted to by letting PJ walk, right? But they wanted to use their MLE, and that's all they wanted to tap into. 
but they didn't. And so now Grant signs for $1 million more a year with Dallas. I, bring At this point, I, I bring PJ back. Can you sit on another year of just being all right? Was Miles and Brandon the guys that were going to help you win this year? And then you just lose some defensive versatility, some playmaking, a power forward. Because, I mean, Brandon Miller can't play power forward right now. I know that. I, Miles Bridges, I guess, can. But who are you going to go to the bench on that? JT Thor? JT Thor ain't playing summer league. I, I hope you would play him in summer league to help him out a little bit more. Do you think that if they did do the, the qualifying offer for PJ and they had him and Miles playing on one-year deals this year, the team comes back able to stay healthy, that they can get more questions and answers to be able to truly make the moves that maybe you'd like to see next offseason? Just saying if they have cap space. Like if they if they did the qualifying offer with P.J., he and Miles are playing on one-year deals, team comes back able to be healthy, you get a full season of everybody, really get to get a, a picture of what this team could look like, and then you can make decisions on who you want to give long-term deals to. I mean, I that's sure, that's the theory. But also, man, this is going to be LaMelo's first year of his extension. Like, LaMelo's going to be a fifth-year player at that point. He's going into his fourth year. I think it's reasonable to say we've had a, a a long time now to try to put together a winning product around him. And are are you punting on this season? Like, seriously, tell me. Without PJ, you bring back Miles, and you have Brandon Miller as a you know one-year guy, right? Mm-hmm. We're not talking about what Brandon projects to be, what you expect Brandon to be in his rookie season. Is Miles and Brandon enough and remember no Kelly Oubre too for everybody that likes Kelly because I don't expect him to be back so no Kelly Oubre Brandon and Miles where does that team finish next year oh yeah I would have to say that they finish at best playing at best I don't feel good about it you have to rely a lot on LaMelo improving a ton staying healthy of course but improving in the sense of you know, just the the flaws that we've talked about, right? I mean, we Mark got Williams ascending. Yeah, There's a lot there that would have to happen. And we know Mitch has relied on internal improvement before. He literally said last year when we were all like, "Wait, are you just not going to do anything?" He said last year we could probably not do anything and be a better basketball team next year. Well, okay. I know a lot of the injuries took place. It, it was a brutal year injury wise. That's a legitimate excuse. But, man, we can't go through another offseason without them doing anything. They're not doing anything. And so I get those people's gripes. I wasn't even going to kill them because they were waiting on what was going to happen with PJ and Miles. But now you might not even bring back PJ. We're still here on July 6th, and we have no no confirmation on what PJ is going to do. It's frustrating. It really is. 704-570-9610. We can read some of those texts going into the next segment. It's your favorite. The staple fire fizzle. It's back. We'll get to that in just a moment, but not before we get to the second fitty flash of the day. What you got, fitty? Fitty. All right, guys. I'm going to read you a quote from former Panthers head coach Matt Rule, Pete Thamel. Spent some time with him down in Lincoln as Matt Rule prepares for his first year on the job in Nebraska. And we're talking about his time in the NFL. 
Rule said, quote, going through the fire in Carolina was a purifying fire that melts away all the impurities, all the hubris, all the worrying about stuff that doesn't matter. I learned very much to worry about what matters. I have a focus and a desire in me. I watched what my kids had to go through in Carolina, and we're not going to let them go through that here, end quote. Did he say hubris? Yes. Wow, I mean, that sounded deep philosophy there from Matt Rule. Well, I mean, what kind of pride <laughs> did you have in the job that you did with Carolina? Right. I, purifying, I, it's it's funny because I, is Matt Rule, is this is this actually a good thing for Matt Rule where we shouldn't hate on him? Or is this some kind of shot? I don't even know what to make of this comment, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, especially coaches, they always try to, you know, be philosophical about different things. And I guess maybe he did look at it as maybe an adversity that he had to go through to make him a better football coach. I mean, that's what I took from what he said. And I, I guess his kids definitely took a lot as far as from people around town going to school and different things, saying your dad is a trash coach and things of that nature and probably worse than that. So I guess he's just saying that, hey, he had to go through that fire to make him the coach that he's going to be in Nebraska, but he better come out and win football games and and do the doggone thing or all of this means nothing. Yeah, all right. Well, we'll see. Uh, I, I like a quote of the week from Matt Rule to see hmm. if he'll give us some more here. I don't know if anybody wants to relive that. That's probably a good channel change segment for us, which we don't want to do. Dude, all these texts come in. I know. They're so mad. Yeah. All right. You guys are emphatically telling me, do not do anything else relating to Matt Rule. Fair enough. I hear you loud and clear. Let's go to fire or fizzle instead. How about this topic? It's National Fried Chicken Day. City. <laughs> about to have some checks chicken i i am excited in honor of national fried chicken uh day what is fire and fizzle when it comes to the places that have the best or the worst fried chicken it's coming up next sports radio 92.7 wfnz Fireman means time for fire or fizzle. National day today is National Fried Chicken. It's a staple. Everybody loves it. If you don't like it, I question everything about you. <laughs> but Wes is going to tell us what fried chicken is better than some of the other outlets and what they might be serving on their fried chicken plate. And the first one up, never really talked about. Yes. I'm a fan of it. Bonchon is the first one we got for you. Wes, you tell me, Bonchon, is it fire or fizzle? Listen, I heard about Bonchon way back when, and I remember reading how it was voted the best uh, chicken wings in Charlotte. I believe it was voted the best fried chicken in Charlotte. When I see something like that, I've got to try it. So one day I took myself down there, me and a co-worker, my boy Justin, we went down there, and they have the soy and they have the hot. I didn't want anything else but the chicken and wanted to see if it was like that. Then my mom, who doesn't give hardly anything credit, had to take her as well. She wanted to try it. I think she put me on it in the first place after she saw an advertisement for it. And I took her down there and I said, Mom, they said these are the best wings in Charlotte. And I said, after we finished, do you agree? She told me, yes. I said, for her to say this for Fonda Bryant to give anything credit of this magnitude 
it's got to be off the chain. So if you've never had Bonchon, get yourself down there because they are straight fire and literally fire because if you get the hot, you better get those cubes to go with them because your mouth is going to be burning, baby burn. Fiddy, have you ever had Bonchon before? I have not. It's very good. There's one on Park Road. I highly suggest you try them out at some Unbelievable. point. Unbelievable. Show lunch, huh? Show lunch. That's fine. Oh, you want to go over to Bonchon? Oh, please. I've been <laughs> over the idea of a show lunch for a long time now. Yeah, we were supposed to go to uh, yeah, the Rhino yeah. Market, and we mm-hmm. just never went. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, who? Right. whose fault is that? Yeah. yeah, who knows? All right, next one. <laughs> good old Popeyes. Is it fire or is it fizzle, Wes? Listen, man. You talk about the sandwich. You talk about the bone-in. You talk about... Uh, whichever way you want your Popeye's chicken, whether you get the tenders, but my favorite is the bone-in spicy white chicken. It's National Fried Chicken Day, and this day was made for restaurants like Popeye's. One of the goats, if not the goat, you can debate it if you want to, but Popeye's is straight fire! OG status. Don't ever forget it. The chicken sandwich when they dropped it, I think it is the best chicken sandwich. People in the were game. fighting and cutting over that chicken sandwich. I know you're gonna say Chick-fil-A is the best. I get it, Chick-fil-A is a nice staple, but they've got such a big piece of chicken. I love the spicy mayo. Popeyes has the best chicken sandwich in the game to me. Love it. I think it's fire, so I'm sticking with it. Never heard of this next one. Um, Nichols. Nichols chicken. Fire fizzle, Wes, you tell me. Well, you guys are both from country areas of North Carolina. And when you talk about the country, you're talking Stanley, Belmont. For those who are in those areas, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Nichols chicken. But for those in the Charlotte area, I think it was uh, on, oh, it's it's uptown. And it was by where the fuel pizza used to be. I think that that convenience store has chicken that is very similar. Tastes just the same to it that a lot of people love. Yes, the Shell Station. But it originated from the OG Nichols when I used to stay with my great-grandmother in Stanley. It was the only place that they had, and she got chicken from there every day. And one of her good friends, the way that they knew that the man passed away is because he would get a 12-piece with wedges and rolls every day. And when he didn't come to get it, they knew something was wrong. That's how damn good that chicken is. And my son and I had it when I was almost about to get swindled by a car salesman, but there was a Nichols right beside us, so that made the four hours I spent wasting my time Mm. that much better. So when you talk about Nichols chicken, the wedges, the chicken, the rolls, and the prices, don't forget that, because you can get a two-piece white with wedges and rolls for about $4, one of the best meals you ever have. Nichols, a country, North Carolina, legendary staple is straight Fire! All my Belmont Gastonia heads, they definitely know what I'm talking about. Yeah, we got some people absolutely saying Nichols is one of the best fried chicken spots that they've ever they had. They know it. The text line knows. All right, so that's three for three on fire. <laughs> the next one up on this list, very specific, Hardy's Chicken Tenders. <laughs> they somehow found themselves on this list, but it's not my list. It's Wes's. Is this your fizzle one? Is this the first fizzle we're going to get today? Wes? Well, Hardy's is another Southern staple. When you talk about in North Carolina and this great state and the many things that people love to go to Hardy's for, we're talking about bacon, egg, and cheese biscuits. Their breakfast is still fire. And then they came out with chicken tenders. And so you would think that with Hardy's having as good a food as they have, 
thoughts that chicken tenders would fall in line with that. I was very excited when I saw these drop. You looked at the texture. They looked crispy. They looked crunchy. And it came from Hardee's. So you automatically would expect for them to be good. Which way is this going, folks? Do you know? No, you don't. But I know <laughs> that when I talk about Hardy's Chicken Tenders on National Fried Chicken Day, they are straight fizzle. You take they were too salty. I was it. very disappointed with them. Um, I, I like the Hardy's Chicken Tenders. I think they're pretty good. Does anybody else like them in this room? Fitty, you looked at Flounder for some kind of look. I don't. <laughs> uh, what, 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 you can have this opinion on your own if you want. Yeah, no, I mean, I can, well, <laughs> oh, because, light well, shot well, because I know right he there. likes them. I mean, when I think about chicken tenders, I don't think about Hardy's. So I would agree with Wes. They're fizzle. I, I, they're lightly breaded. I like the lightly breaded chicken tenders sometimes. Mm. It's a nice change of pace. I thought it was good. All right, last one. Bojangles, the staple. CEO told us that he was looking to get out of the chicken business. But the bone-in chicken might be something that they drop, which would be a disaster in my opinion. But if it's fizzle, it might be okay. Wes, you tell me. Fire fizzle? Is it Bojangles? What's up? Sometimes I have to go through my head and I have to rank the fried chicken. And Popeyes and Bojangles, there's been a war going inside of my mind for quite some time as to who has the best chicken, folks. There's no need to even question which way this is going, but I'm just going to take this time to give Bojangles their flowers. Whether you're talking about Cajun filet, you're talking about Chicken Supremes, or the bone-in chicken that they're talking about getting rid of in new restaurants, it is one of the most asinine ideas I've ever heard in my life. Ooh, asinine. But folks, when you talk about Bojangles, especially when you get that fresh batch, and sometimes when I go in there, I lay it on thick just to make sure I get a fresh batch of chicken. Bojangles, folks, North Carolina staple. Any other state to me is Bojangles, but it's not the same as it is here in North Carolina. It is straight fire. Did you expect anything less? All right, so four out of the five. Cut the music off. Are listed as fire except for Hardy's chicken tenders. Did you have, how hard was it on National Fried Chicken Day to find something to assign the fizzle title to it was it definitely did take a lot of thought i had to google worst fried chicken i had to just think in my mind where could i find something that i did not like that was fried and <laughs> poultry okay and so i just thought about the hardy's chicken tenders and how yeah. disappointed i was um, when i got those churches almost made it but i did like churches the last time i had it. i just can't remember enough in my mind uh, because I remember they put out those commercials that they had done a national taste test up against, uh, I think, Popeye's and KFC or something like that. But the last time I had that chicken, it was it was pretty solid. What is your church's take that gave that weird sound coming from you, Fitty? The f- two or three times I had churches, <laughs> I needed to go to church to pray for my, my, my tummy to stop rumbling. Because but was it good? No, no. Oh, okay. No, because <laughs> it wasn't healthy. We made fun of KFC's dry brisket or, or dry biscuit. We're talking about Willie's brisket now. They <laughs> had the worst biscuit I've ever had in my life. Churches oh. did. Yes. But we like KFC's biscuits. Yes. But like this underrated. was like even more dry. It was like eating like chalk powder or something like that. I don't know where he had that at. Um, I had it in, in Charlotte. All right. So we have a couple of other mentions here. Uh, what about Publix chicken? Their fried chicken, is that fire? Uh, I've never had that. I've rarely gotten grocery store chicken because I think my son told me that Harris Teeter's fried chicken is pretty good. It is. It's pretty solid. Yeah, I would. Have you ever heard of Jollibee? 
No, never heard of it. Because I looked at an eater bracket for best fried chicken, and they had Jollibee, and it won. It went up against Bonchon in the championship. Or uh, <laughs> and so I'm like, I've never heard of Jollibee in my life. So maybe some of the texters are familiar with that. Um, also, the final one, I saw Fiddy react to a text rather angrily. It's because your checks order just came in. Yeah. But I imagine that you were yeah. pretty angry at this text message that came in and said, hey, guys, don't know if you know, but apparently it's a buy one, get one opportunity happening at Bossy Beulah's right now. Do I have that right? Yeah, and oh. I did not get the email because I have my I, I get notifications from Bossy. That's how much of a fat ass I am. <laughs> and I didn't get that notification or else we'd have had Bossy's instead of checks. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough because Flounder walked in with the checks. Which nice we, consolation. I mean, Tex Wings are still one of the best in Charlotte, so you can't be too upset. It's, no, I'm not. It's true, but when you have a, a deal, especially with Bossy's, though, because of how expensive it is. You're telling me. If you have a buy one, get one opportunity, then Fiddy wouldn't have been on my ass about paying him back for so many times. 704-570-9610. Feel free to text in your favorite fried chicken spot. We have one more hour to go on Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.